what I do is, is I like to break things down. I look at all sources, people involved, etc., that I have at the moment, the right now moment. And that's how I started working is, okay, I want to do an art show in Phoenix. I don't know anybody in the community, but what do I have right now? What, what, you know, what sources do I have to make this happen? Welcome to Artists as Leader, where we explore the intersection of creativity and leadership. I'm Pierre Carlotalenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And I'm Rob Kramer, founder and CEO of Kramer Leadership, whose mission is to advance leaders for the greater good. This week, we bring you Rob's interview with muralist, community activist, and educator Lucinda Hinojos. Rob, who's Lucinda? Lucinda is an amazing young woman who astoundingly, in just three years, uh, made a mark on her hometown of Phoenix, Arizona, in more ways than one. She has these bold, large-scale paintings, uh, really murals, that grace several structures in Phoenix and in other places around the country now, Um, but specifically in Phoenix, calling attention to the sociopolitical issues that are very near and dear to her heart. Uh, including the large numbers of indigenous women and children who go missing each year, and to the plight of so-called dreamers, whose legal status in this country is becoming, as we know, increasingly precarious. Uh, Her murals are just simply extraordinary. Um, They're huge, they're broad, they tend to be filled with these bright, vibrant colors and imagery, uh, often with uh, depicting images of young people, young girls, many times. And, And oftentimes there's a theme of birds, and if not birds, other types of animals. They're really incredible, and you can check them out on her website. As an activist and advocate, she's worked closely with social services and political organizations, including Promise Arizona and the ACLU of Arizona. And in 2018, she co-founded Colors of La Comunidad, which is a collective of artists and activists who advocate for social change uh, by empowering, motivating, and inspiring across their communities. I started out by asking her to tell us a little bit about her background and how she blossomed as an artist in only three years. Yes, it happened really fast. And, you know, uh, up until until recently, I wasn't even thinking much about how I lead or what informed me to lead. It was more of an instinct, I'd say, and it's a survival mode. You know, I'm a single mother of three, and my background is I didn't have met much of an influence. And um, my grandfather was just a hard worker. He was a civil engineer. He was a he owned a soccer franchise, and he was a, a professor at ASU, and um, took on so many roles. And I looked up, I really looked up to him, and. Other than that, I mean, my background, I played sports. I didn't really have an artistic background, um, but my grandfather was an early mentor influence on me. Um, And then, you know, I think at the age of 18, I became uh, pregnant with my oldest son, Dominic. And at that time, I had to leave home. And I was in, this was a very traumatic period for me. You know, at the time I had a soccer scholarship and my parents wanted me to go to college, which I did um, after I had my son. I went back for three years. But uh, at the time, they didn't accept my situation, you know, and so I decided to leave my home at 18. And this was the first time that I ever had to take a leadership role is making that big decision on leaving home. And that scared me. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But again, those survival modes, instincts 
turns on and and it gave you it gave me courage it gave me a lot of things that I've learned from from that from that time but um that's that's how it started and you know I didn't get into the the art community until about 2011 um, and that's kind of uh, where it started for me and in 2011 um, you know before that I was with the kids' father for like 12 years and so I had again I was working um, an office job uh, two jobs at a time and it wasn't until I left their father that I got into the art community and again this is you know, I'm new to the Phoenix community. Nobody seen my face before. So I had a lot of judgment and a lot of things that were being said, but I had, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to get into art. Um, I didn't know exactly what, but I knew it was something that had to do with the, the community and art. Um, and so that's kind of where I started. Mm. You're such a great example, I think, of what we'd call someone who's self-led or is demonstrating mm-hmm. self-leadership. And and you talked about having the courage, you had the courage to leave, you know, it sounds like a rough relationship um, mm-hmm. with your husband uh, for the safety of yourself and your children. Um, and you had this, it sounds like a kind of a calling and the courage to step into that. Yes. Did art play a role or was creativity showing up? Where were those, the sparks that made you see that's what I'm drawn to is, is, is art and community impact? For me, there was... Before the art, I'll just tell you a quick story. It's like, so I went to a community college for three years, um, Glendale Community College, after I had my two sons. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel that's where I picked up the leadership. Even though I took like art classes, um, I didn't feel like I picked up the leadership skills. For me, it happened in 2004 when I had, um, I worked for a person, her, my manager's name was Elizabeth Harper. And this was, an, again, an, an office space, I, you know. And at that time, she had pulled me into a meeting and I, you know, she sat me down before this. I was, I was very quiet, very shy. I'd never, even if, even though I took that role of leading and leaving at 18, I still was shy and very, you know, reserved. Um, but this manager in 2004, I'll never forget that she pulled me into her office and she says, I'm going to break you out of your shell. <laughs> and I looked at her like, what? Like, <laughs> why? Like, why me? You know, I was like sitting there, like, I was so confused. Like out of everybody on her team, she chose me. And I really didn't believe her, but she mentored me and she walked me through it and she, she helped me see myself for bigger purpose. And I've never had that before. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, I managed a team of 25 for a few years. And then mm-hmm. from that point, I went to work for a corporate American company for 14 years before I left to do art full time. And that's how it started. Um, so for when I started, you know, in 2011, that's how I moved so fast because in 2011, you know, I was going through something and I wanted to, to get it tap into art. And, and then I, that's when I was like questioning myself, what do I want to do? Is it art community? How do I do both? And so I started, I saw this, there was a graffiti art show in Phoenix. And when I went, all kinds of people showed up and I was like, whoa, I was like, this is, this is something that I want to do, but nice. still it, yeah, so it triggered something. And I was like, well, I have the business mindset. I have like, I felt that I had enough knowledge to take on a project. Even if I didn't have art background, I felt that I could do it. Because um, things, what I do is, 
is I like to break things down. I look at all sources, people involved, et cetera, that I have at the moment, the right now moment. And that's how I started working is, okay, I want to do an art show in Phoenix. I don't know anybody in the community, but what do I have right now? What, what, you know, what sources do I have to make this happen? I had to, uh, um, another mentor, business partner, uh, his name is Joe Maldonado. He's a DJ. And he's like, I told him what I wanted to do was I wanted to throw an art show, an underground graffiti art show. He said, has you ever done one before? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you know any artists? No. No. <laughs> and so I was like, oh man, I think this is going to be, and he goes, do you know where you want to have it at? And I said, not really. <laughs> so I was kind of like at a, at a, like, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should think about this a little bit more. But I remember on uh, Christmas Eve, I think, or it was like 2011 when he, I got a phone call from him. He's like, hey, so you know what? I'm going to help you. I go, for real? He's like, so get out of your chair. We're going to do this. And, you know, I'm going to help you do it. And I said, yes, thank you. So I threw my first art show in like 2012. I had 15 artists. And uh, when we opened, when we, we didn't even open the doors yet. And we had a line wrapped around the building and three pe- 300 people showed up. And my wow. sponsors were the, uh, Paint and Patron and then uh, Mikhail's restaurant in Tempe, Arizona. And they were just floored. Like, what? And I remember having a meeting with the, um, the reps from uh, Patron and and the, uh, the business owner, Cherie, from Mikhail's. And they just sat with me and they looked at me like, how did you pull that off? And they're like, how did you put all this together? And then my business partner, Joe, was like, looked at me and she's like, she did it. And I'm like, I was like, oh, my God, I did do this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I didn't do and I didn't spend any money doing it either. It was very minimal amount of money that I used to put this together you know, again, I used resources resources that I had, and I learned um, that way of working from my past jobs, and so that's how I got my foot in the door to the Phoenix art community. And so, do you truly consider yourself a leader at this point? I still, I still struggle and cringe with that, um, because I'm like, there's been incidents where something um, has happened in in these these current uprisings that are happening and we're moving so fast where um, it it is tough. And there's times where I just stand and I'm like, why me? Like, I'm so tiny and little and I just, you know, like, why am I, you know what? You know, there's times where I'm upset. I'm like, this is, it's it's a lot of responsibility. And um, there, there was, uh, maybe it was like two years ago, um, the Mexican consulate of here in Arizona had reached out and sent me a letter as describing me as a distinguished leader in Phoenix and invited me to a meeting with other leaders in, in Phoenix. And I was like, am I, re- am I getting, am I reading this right? <laughs> Why are they calling me a distinguished leader? Like sometimes I don't even, you know, like, I, I, I'm a, I'm a huge goofball too. And I'm like, but I'm such a dork and I'm so, you know, things like that. It's like, <laughs> I'm just like, really? But when I showed up um, and I entered that room, there was other, you know, distinguished leaders in, in the Phoenix community. And after sitting there and speaking, I understood why I was there. And so I'm starting to, to understand, you know, and realize that 
people are starting to follow me and they're very inspired by what I'm doing. And, and, and sometimes I'm not looking left. I'm not looking right. I'm just looking forward in this, in this Mm -hmm. tunnel, because I understand that this is a bigger purpose than myself. You know, I have a, there's a couple of things that tie into my leadership skills and that's my survival that I learned as a young age, as my, um, um, leadership coming from a corporate American company for 14 years, and then my spirituality. And I tapped at, for me, I didn't learn about spirituality until, 2000, until, until 2015 when I spiritually awakened and, you know, even got in, in, in reconnecting with my indigenous roots mm. and learning how to work with my guides and my ancestors and that strength and that courage to, to have and take with me and carry that on to this moment, you know, now I understand and now I respect it and I'm accepting it. I mean, mm. not gonna, I'm not going to lie. The other day, I wanted to cry because there was a situation that I had to handle that was overbearing for me. And I said, I don't want this right now. I just want to paint and, and I want to create. And my friend, my peer, Michelle from Art Collector was like, well, I'm sorry, lady, but you're, you know, this purpose is bigger than yourself and you were chosen you have to you're gonna have to carry that leadership for a little bit longer and i'm like no <laughs> yeah you know in leadership we um kind of sort of some fundamental ways we talk about leadership one is that you can do that can be um direct and indirect leadership mm-hmm. so direct leadership would be where someone's actions literally have a direct line to the people they're impacting and 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 the results that you're getting or the results you're seeing and then there's indirect le- uh, leadership where someone puts things out in the world that have an impact and create change. Um, And it sounds kind of like, Lucina, that you have a combination of both, that you're doing both direct and indirect. It's very easy to point to the murals and say, oh, it's indirect leadership. But it sounds like you're really really providing both. How how would you see yourself doing both of those? So good example is I'm also the founder of Colors of La Comunidad. And what Colors of La Comunidad is, it's a mural... um, project that collaborates with other social justice nonprofit organizations. And so this is a good example of leader as artists in leadership. See, I, I took what I did when I first when we first did our mural project in 2018, I collaborated with uh, Promise Arizona, Betha Fragon. Uh, she's been, you know, she was someone that actually walked with Cesar Chavez during the, um, the Chicano movement and the those times. But Colors La Comidad was a mural project and I actually did this project almost by myself. So I had to organize the project and also paint the mural. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and it was a, a very, very hard balance because I was all over the place. I was doing things all by myself. And there was a, and this was, a, I was still working full time at Bank of America. Um, <laughs> I was still working. Wow. I was still working full time. I was got my three kids organizing this mural project. Um, in dedication to our DACA, uh, our dreamers, mm-hmm. and and then also painting the mural. And so that was a very hard balance. And um, I actually burned out <laughs> and <Sure>. fainted. <laughs> there Literally was a day painting. that I, I fainted. Yes, I had a, a, a workshop that I was doing with another project in Yuma, and I fainted. <laughs> mm. Wow. I actually, like, um, so it was a lesson learned that, Hello, you do not have to do this alone, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I, because I I became a gatekeeper 
And I was like, I'm so, because I've been doing so much by myself. And at, you know, early on, I, you know, I'm so used to being, I was used to being told no, or that it would cost something. So it was hard for me to reach out and ask for help. And I still struggle with that to this day, but you know, I did put it out there, you know, that I would like to meet like-minded individuals that could help me. And then I met this, my business, my now project manager, Diana Calderon, who is now helping me with Colors of Local Me That. In 2019, she jumped on board. We found, you know, then I switched. I was able to switch from leader to artist and just be mm-hmm. artist. It was mm-hmm. just asking, you know, you know, just just having that trust and breaking those barriers down of you don't have to do this alone. Why? I'm like, I don't know why. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you noticing by allowing yourself to trust somebody else? Is that great things can happen with more than just one people. Like more can happen. And now I'm seeing that and um from that project, because I've I've worked with people, but I haven't had People work in inside my project. I don't mm. know if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and then recently, I'm now part of because of this uprising that's happening and and regarding the Black Lives Matter movement and all this stuff. We have now created um, an art collective here in Phoenix, and it's of Brown, Black, and Indigenous artists. And and this is again working with more people. And I'm learning how to be an artist and stepping back and letting others lead because we're moving so fast. We're putting out, you know, social justice art. And when you're doing movement art, you're moving really fast and you're having to learn how to work with others that you don't know and that you haven't known that very well, but you have to trust them and um, break down those little bit of barriers of saying, and, and, Stop, and it's, I always tell myself, stop being gatekeeper, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you mentioned earlier, we are, you know, in the midst of not only the, the COVID pandemic, but a, a racial justice pandemic, a polarized yes. political pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any plans for how you can see yourself impacting your community during these difficult times? So when COVID first happened, I was lost. I, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what direction to go in at the moment. Um, I had actually had to take us, uh, like two weeks off from doing nothing. I was just being, I had to learn how to slow down. This is when I was, I, I learned how to slow down and to be present and be present with my family and my kids and myself, because hmm. before then I was moving so fast. So COVID gave me that, that it was giving me that time to slow down and, and to reflect and figure out how to move forward. But then as I was happening, I was fi- you know, finding, getting more into my artistic training, I would say, and my skills. But then all of a sudden the uprising happened. I'm like, oh my God, you know? And then I got phone calls like, we need to move fast. We need to do this, 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 this. And I'm like, what? But we're in, you're, we're in COVID times. Like, how do we do this, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you do? And it's kind of like a panic again, survival mode. You use the resources that you have and what you can and cannot do and you move. And so that's what we did. You put the mask on and you start moving. You go and you go do things at night, you know, on your, with with one or 
or another person or um, because of the uprising, we're moving so fast and the type of artwork that we're doing is, is movement art. And so we're, we're figuring it out right mm. now. And it is, it is a hard balance and it, it is stressful and it's a lot. But again, like I'm not in it alone this time and I'm working with others and all of us artists, creatives in this art collective, um, we all have different skill sets. We don't have a name yet because we're, we do some stuff anonymously and we want to remain that way. Um, but I'm learning, you know, all these different, these ways of working, especially during COVID and maneuvering during COVID and this uprising the best way that we can and the safest way that we can. It sounds like you're getting a lot of lessons uh, and learning a lot because of the, the context which makes me also wonder about when you first were starting as an artist, was there any advice you wish you had received when you were just starting to get into to art and art space leadership? I wish someone had told me early on that you don't have to do this alone. Um, you know, you can ask for help. Also, there was something that I actually read or that I was listening to another podcast like a few months back. It was from like, um, it was called From Inspire Into Action. And it was on NPR. And I think the person that was on was Simon Sinek. And I wrote down what he said. And this kind of, if I would have, heard, now for me, it, it makes, it just, it just makes sense to me. And I'm just going to read it, what he said. He says about, you know, like they're asking like, why, what does a leader have to inspire others or what abilities do they have? And he said, they have deep and dying beliefs in something bigger than themselves. And the best leaders are the best followers. Because we don't see them, they don't see themselves as the thing to be followed. They actually see themselves as following a cause bigger than themselves. Yeah. You know, we see our we see ourselves in service to something else, and that was a light bulb for me. And I was mm. like, oh, now I get it. Mm. Now I get it. You know. Mm -hmm. And so I wish I would have known that a little bit sooner. Yeah, I love that, Lucinda. What do you think needs to change, evolve? anything that would encourage uh, more artists to step up and lead? I think people need to start seeing and understanding how essential artists are to humanity. Like I see myself as a healer, you know, but I use my, my tools as my paintbrush and my spray can. You know, we can create change with our gifts. We can move and inspire people in mass numbers. And so I feel that we are undervalued greatly. And if we can change that outlook on us, then many more would have the confidence of stepping forward. You know, what really stands out for me, Rob, is how art is just one of the tools in her leadership toolbox. As you point out in the interview, she's so different from many of our other guests who, by and large, they learn to discuss their leadership through their artistic practice, but she found her art through her desire to lead and have an impact. She came to it kind of in a backdoor, which is fantastic. Yeah, very different way. And so quickly was her success once she found her her artistic voice. You know, it's it's really for the listener that's not as familiar with it to, to have the kind of career she's having in three years is pretty astounding. You really don't you don't hear about that. It's, it's almost like the stories from the '40s and '50s when an actor would show up in New York and get discovered the next day. You know. Um, how quickly she rose. And I think because she had this authentic voice of wanting to lead and was practicing already and then combined it with her 
her artistic expression. You know, she was, she talks about being a jock growing up. This wasn't even anything on her radar. And she was so uncomfortable the first time she touched paintbrushes. And it's just like the light bulb went off and these pieces of her sort of just came together. And it's been like a lightning rod of expression for her and success as a, as an advocate and, and as an artist. And, and one thing also don't want to overlook is how she brought her heritage into her art, um, mm-hmm. which wasn't necessarily part of her thinking or part of the way she was going about doing her life prior. Um, but she really it kind of lit up another part of herself and brought that into her work for leadership and social change. And so I think the idea for any of us that we can always access parts of ourselves that may be dormant or we may not see mm-hmm. how they they can be a valuable part of who we are, um, to recognize that our whole self is an instrument to be utilized as a leader. Really, really a key mm-hmm. lesson from her, I think. That's a great point. And also the importance of mentorship, that one of the most important figures in her artistic growth turned out to be the manager at her bank, where she right. was working at Bank of America. Right. It's amazing. I mean, you never know. It's so important for all leaders in any field to realize that part of their responsibility is to make sure that the people who work for them with talent are are made aware of their inherent worth and talent. Because if that manager hadn't done that for Lucinda, she might not have had the courage to fully embrace her skills. Mm-hmm. Completely agreed. So the lessons can come from anywhere if we keep an eye out for it. And also I think for us as leaders, we can look for ideas we can borrow from others, you know, as artists, musicians, you know, as an example, um, watch other art, uh, other musicians and they'll steal riffs, you know, or ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with leadership. If you see things you like, take it. If you see things you see people do that you don't like, say, I'm never doing that. It's completely appropriate. Just it's, but it's having a heightened awareness to keep an eye out for it. Thanks for bringing us this interview. Hi, you're so welcome. It was great fun. If you'd like to learn more about Lucinda and see some of her artwork, please go to uncsa.edu slash artists as leader. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave us a rating or comment wherever you get your podcasts. And if you admire artist leaders in your own community that you'd love us to profile in future episodes, please do shoot us an email at keenanarts at uncsa.edu. Our theme music is By the Dimes. I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti. And I'm Rob Kramer. Thanks for listening.